sparrow that can no longer fly. He brushed off its wings and then watched it soar into the sky. If he's mindful of creation. On this I can depend I am his child And I can place all my trust in him I can trust
seated this morning. Uh, we got something very special we want to just take a couple moments and do. So many of our church are familiar with the Heritage Family and Pregnancy Center that's in Elkton, Maryland, and then also has uh, a, uh, another location in Rising Sun, and we thank the Lord for the work that they do. And like I said, so many of you are familiar with it, the work that goes on there, uh, just the aid that it gives to uh, mothers who are expecting, and, uh, and then also on the family front, I speak often about the work that we do with uh, dads trying to encourage them and families, and we praise the Lord for it. And we've got a special guest with us today, Carrie Kruger, who's been working with the Pregnancy Center for a while. And she's going to give us an invitation, just a special invitation for the banquet that will be in September. So I'm going to invite her to come around, share with us just a little bit about the banquet, when it is, and all that good stuff. And uh, thanks, come around. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Um, as Mike said, I'm a volunteer at the Heritage Pregnancy and Family Health Center. Um, it's, it's a wonderful center. Um, the director is in your congregation, and she's a wonderful, beautiful woman, and I am very blessed to have met her and to be a part of this organization. So as uh, Mike said, I'm here to invite you all to our Fall Harvest Banquet, um, September 28th, 2023. Um, our guest speaker will be Pam Deep, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Pam Tebow, um, the mother of Tim Tebow, as many of you may know. Uh, so that would be great to hear her experience um, uh, that she has shared with her son over the years in their faith. Um, it's 6.30 to 9 p.m. Uh, there is an early bird ticket special uh, going on right now, so please go ahead and register. Um, the early bird ends August 17th. After that, it will increase um, by $10 per person. Um, there's, this is the flyer here. Uh, I think you can find that on the website. Uh, we also have small versions of this that you can just uh, slip into your bulletin and take with you and put on your refrigerator so you don't forget. Uh, those are on the table out in the lobby. Um, in addition to the tickets being on sale now, um, all the proceeds do go to this wonderful organization that does help women in need, um, both pregnant women um, and women with uh, families, small children. Uh, we see some with teenagers. Um, we, we really do a, a lot of services. We do have RNs on staff um, and, and other uh, special workers uh, to help people with maybe domestic violence, uh, for instance, or um, pregnancy choices, and um, you know some, some choices are not the best, and we have support groups and things for that. Um, and then you may have heard many times, Mike works with, with the men, emboldening men. Um, iron sharpens iron, right? <laughs> Very biblical principle, it's great. Um, so we are also um, soliciting table sponsorships. So there's a flyer like this. Um, if you want to get a copy of them, I do have them. You can see me after, or you can also um, go up to Lisa anytime, and, and, and she can um, direct you to these as well. Are, are these on the website? Yeah, so you can find this on the website as well um, to see exactly what the sponsors are. Um, if you work for a business and they're looking to meet their charitable goals, this is a great way to do it. 
um, we have different levels at different prices and um, they all come with tickets to the event. So that is why it's entitled Table Sponsorships. Uh, we are also having a silent auction and again all proceeds go to this organization, nonprofit organization. Um, we are accepting gift baskets and any other thing that you think uh, people may need um, at, for a silent auction or th things that you know are very desirable to, to purchase because again the proceeds go to the organization. Um, so if again um, you can contact the Heritage Pregnancy Center, um, give us a call, go on the website, uh, talk to Lisa, talk to myself afterwards if you're interested and um, not just sponsoring a table, but also sponsoring an item for the silent auction. And finally, I will put these out um, on the desk as well. I have a bunch of them in the box. This is just a donation envelope if you can't go to the banquet, um, or if you uh, go to the banquet, <laughs> you can also, any time of year, um, donate to the organization uh, using one of these. And that's all I have. Thank you. We do appreciate the work of the Heritage Center. I know that for me personally, it's been a just a great place. As a matter of fact, it was just uh, the week before last. Uh, there's a young couple who uh, I've told you many times that they got married, uh, and I did the wedding for them. When they came to the center, uh, they were uh, worried about uh, what the world would call an unwanted pregnancy, right? But you know what? God had bigger ideas for that. And uh, Dylan, their young son, is four years old. And uh, they enrolled him into Salisbury Christian School, my last meeting with them. And I was absolutely blown away at how the Lord is just moving in their life. It's slow sometimes, right? It feels like baby steps. But the Lord's been doing great things in their life. And uh, it's just so awesome to see uh, that young man growing up. Uh, in a completely different environment uh, than what was expected. And we thank the Lord for it. Thank you, Carrie, so much for sharing uh, and bringing that information to us. And we thank the Lord for it. I did have one that is pertinent to this week as well. The Cecil County Fair. They talked about it already. But Thursday night is going to be our singing. My radio program this morning was all music of groups that will be at the Cecil County Fair. So you're going to want to come out Thursday night and just be with us and worship with us. It's going to be an absolute amazing night. So make sure you're uh, there for that. The Nottingham Four, the Down East Boys, the Browders, and Chosen Road will be singing. And so come on out uh, at 5.30 to 10 o'clock on Thursday night at the Cecil County Fair. All right, well, let's worship the Lord together this morning and uh, just praise him. And I hope the choir will bless your heart. gladness that pours from Emmanuel's veins. The sinner was plunged beneath the flood and God saved. Since then 
nothing but goodness. I've tested and tasted your grace. I was so lost till I fell at the cross and God saved.
But uh, I've been doing all this studying in the, in the minor prophets and moving through them. And if you've been here, you've heard some of that preaching. And it just amazes me as we look through it at how they're, they're always talking about Jesus. You know, they, they're pointing and they're, they're, they're drawing types and shadows and they're, they're just doing different things. But it's always Jesus is who they're pointing at. And it's just been blessing my heart. As a matter of fact, tonight, I'm so excited to preach out of Zechariah chapter number 3. And, and just the things that are there and you see it and you're like, that's Jesus, that's Jesus. And even though they had that stuff, they were looking forward and they didn't, they didn't get it. They, they could see and they knew there was a promise. And just like Abraham, they believed God for that promise. And I'm thankful that the Bible says it was accounted to them for righteousness. And we believe we'll see him in heaven one day. And all of those things are true. But they, and here's what's getting me this morning. But they didn't really know Jesus. And then he came. And you know what? Here today, we can know Jesus. And I see all of the prophecy fulfilled. The mystery is gone. It's revealed. And it's wonderful and it's amazing that I can have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I can, I can know him as a friend. I can talk to him every day. I can commune with him. I can see him all throughout the Gospels, see what he's like, his character, his tenderness, his mercy, his, his yes. power, his real. It's all right there for me to know who he is and what he's done. And he's my friend. And I don't know about you, but I feel like I really know him. Then one day, the veil is going to be removed even more. We will stand in the presence of the unveiled glory of God himself. Knowing we should be destroyed, but for Jesus. If it had not been for the Lord, it's all because of him. Jesus, what a name. A name that our world desperately needs still. A name that has power in it. A name that is proven to change hearts and lives. Boy, I don't know who is in your life right now that you need to speak the name of Jesus over. But boy, let's pray. Let's keep speaking that name. Proclaiming our best friend. Who he is and what he can do. I 
And isn't it great to be saved and on your way to heaven? And if you're not, changes before this day is over. I uh, appreciate the tremendous music from the choir. Uh, always a great blessing. Appreciate that. If you have your Bible this morning, I'd like for you to turn with me uh, to uh, the book of Isaiah, chapter number 42. Isaiah, chapter number 42. We've been in Isaiah for a while. We're still there. Uh, not all the time, but much of the time. Isaiah chapter 42. Uh, and let me just say, uh, I want to encourage everybody to be out this week to the fair and, uh, and take advantage of the opportunity to be there for gospel singing night. We, I remember the very first gospel singing night, and uh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> and, uh, but we've had a lot of them since then, and Brother John has done a great job over the years of getting the groups out there, keeping it going, uh, building a fire under the fair board every now and then, and, uh, and just keep it, keeping it out there. And we praise the Lord for that. And so Thursday night, you don't want to miss having the opportunity to be there again this year uh, and participate in that. All right, if you have found Isaiah chapter number 42, we're going to begin reading in verse number 5. We're going to read down and in including verse number 10, and then we'll ask the Lord to bless us as we... Uh, as we look into his word this morning. So if you'd stand with us, please, in honor of the reading of the word of God. Thus saith the Lord God, he that created the heavens and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise from the end of the earth. Ye that go down to the sea and all that is therein, the isles and the inhabitants thereof. Dear Lord, we pray you'd help us this morning in the understanding of the word of God. We thank you for it. We thank you for its never ending and always stable and solid truth. Lord, in a world that is changing so rapidly, we are grateful that we have something that we can count on, something that we can depend on, something that we know will never change. So help us to be attentive today. By the ears of our life, may we open up our heart and receive that which you have for us today, and we'll be careful to give you the praise. For we make our prayer in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Brother Harry. Thank you. So verse 1 says this in the same chapter. Verse 1 says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment 
to the Gentiles. This servant that the Lord is, that God is speaking of, that Isaiah is writing about under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this servant is none other than Jesus Christ. He is the servant mentioned in verse 1. And if you'll remember, we, we study this often when we're looking at the New Testament. We talk about the reality that Jesus came as the servant, the suffering servant. We also say that when Jesus comes back, when he returns, he will not be that suffering servant any longer. Uh, but he came to us the first time as a servant. And so chapter number 42 of the book of Isaiah is pointing us in the direction and showing us uh, a light of when Jesus comes the first time. Now, as so often is the case, there are going to be times uh, in the passage, in the chapter, when we're going to look beyond that. And Isaiah, more than anybody else uh, in the Old Testament, uh, tended to do that. He not only looked at, uh, uh, at one part of the prophecy, but he looked even deeper. But it, primarily he is focusing our attention on the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the servant who is coming to us. And this chapter reveals the practical outworkings uh, of the coming of the servant. Uh, if you look back to chapter number 40, just flip over there. And with me, I just have to flip one page. I don't know about you. But if you look at, back to chapter number 40 and verse number 1, you'll remember that we said things were changing when we got to that verse. And he says, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. And we talked about how that the focus was being changed uh, to uh, uh, instead of looking at all of the, uh, all of the chastisement that was coming to the nation of Israel. In the first 39 verses, we have so much of that. The chastisement that was coming to the nation of Israel. And now, from chapter 40 onward, we're looking beyond the chastisement. We're looking to the comfort and the blessing and the strength. And that is exactly what we're seeing here in chapter number 42. We're seeing the comfort that the Lord Jesus Christ himself brings to the people of Israel and to the people of the earth, to every one of us. And so there is comfort that is coming uh, to us, and he's telling us about it in chapter number 42, and specifically, as I said, coming to the nation uh, of Israel. Now notice uh, what he says here. He says in verse, num uh, in verse number uh, 5, uh, Thus saith God the Lord, he that created the heavens, stretched them out, that spread forth the earth, and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath into the people upon it, and spirit to them that walk upon, uh, that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness. He is speaking to give them comfort. And I want to point something else out here. As, as he is writing this, he, if you'll remember, we talked about the the reality that Babylon was going to come and destroy uh, the nation of Israel. And that is exactly what happened. Uh, and we know that it's not too terribly long after this. Uh, and if you'll I know it's hard to remember uh, what we talked about in previous sermons. But if you remember, we talked about the fact that when Isaiah was giving his prophecy, it was still nearly 100 years before Babylon was going to come in and take over uh, the nation of Israel. So it seems like that's a far off prophecy, but we need to remember that 
A thousand years with the Lord is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. So a hundred years in, in prophetic terms is not really that long. But he's talking about the coming. And I want to take a moment and, and kind of go down the list here about the, the experience that they had uh, and how that the book of Isaiah is going to have this powerful effect on the nation of Israel, not only at the time that he wrote it, but also at the time of the captivity and then immediately after the captivity of Babylon. Israel has been, they, they have been devastated at this point. They were first of all called out of the land of Egypt. Out of, uh, out of Egypt I called my son. Moses the great prophet went down to Egypt and he, uh, and he led the people out into the wilderness and then they spent 40 years in the wilderness and then they crossed over into the land of promise. And these, these 12 tribes of, uh, of, the, uh, of Israel, the 12 tribes of Jacob, these 12 tribes, they crossed the wilderness uh, they went across the Red Sea, they crossed the wilderness, entered into the land of Canaan, and little by little they forged themselves into becoming a nation. By the hand of God and by the blessing of God and by the keeping of God, uh, over time they finally become a nation. And then when they become a nation, they, they ask God for a king and he gives them, uh, he gives them Saul. They, and Saul was a hard king, he was a difficult king. Uh, but then after him comes this great king, David. And then we have David and Solomon, the two great kings uh, of Israel. And we have the United Kingdom and we have them making great strides forward. But then after Solomon, we see, we see the nation falling into idolatry time and again. And, uh, and then they'd be defeated by their enemy and then they would overcome their enemy and then they'd be defeated and there was chastisement that came time and time and time again. But from the time they crossed over the River Jordan and into the Promised Land, the people of God were in their land. They had many problems and difficulties during their years as a nation up until uh, the time of Isaiah. But the children of Israel were in the land. But when, but when the kingdom of Babylon came along, they not only destroyed Jerusalem and the temple... And so the, everything sacred to them has been overrun by their enemy, uh, the Babylonians. But then they, the Babylonians did not come and rule Israel uh, by occupation. Instead, they took the Israelites out of the land. So for the first time since they came into the land of Canaan, they're not even in the land anymore. There's a disbursement of the few that are left behind, uh, but, the, but this huge contingent of the Israelites were taken to Babylon and they were made to be slaves. Now, we know we have, uh, we have the ones who went into Babylon like Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. These would have been the children of nobles and well-known uh, well uh, individuals and they were treated differently and they were given opportunities, but the majority of them were just turned into slaves. And now we have the children of Israel outside of the land. And Isaiah is telling them and prophesying to them and he's saying this is what's going to happen to you. And then when it does happen, the nation of Israel is absolutely 
devastated. Now, I remember when, uh, during the Cold War, now most of you are not, uh, who are with us this morning, uh, or I should say many of you, you, you don't remember the Cold War. You weren't around for that. <laughs> you had to be alive in the, in the 70s and 80s uh, and early 90s to, uh, uh, to remember the Cold War. But I remember the Cold War, and during the Cold War, we, uh, uh, we were living in Great Britain for a time, and we were actually going in and out of Poland and Romania to carry help to the Jewish Christians who were living there. Uh, and, uh, and I remember uh, a group that had what they called David's Chariots. You say, what in the world was David's Chariots? David's Chariots wa- were, were charter buses that the David House Fellowship would fill up with people and bus them from the European countries, bus them all the way to Palestine, to the land of Israel. Because so many Jews, right toward the end of the Cold War and immediately after the Cold War, uh, those of you who are old enough to remember, there was a huge, gigantic number of Jewish people who were headed back to the, or headed to the Holy Land to live there. And they, they, they populate it now. There's lots and lots of Jews in the Holy Land then, uh, now, a lot more than there was uh, at the beginning or even at the end of the Cold War. And they went back. And, and uh, Brother Ken Price used to ask some of them. He would say, because many of them were not religious Jews. They were Jewish people by culture, by, by race, but they weren't Jewish necessarily by religion and if they were then they most of the time they weren't orthodox Jews but they wanted to go back and people would ask them they uh Ken Price would ask them why do you why do you feel you have to go back or go to Israel and live there you know that it's dangerous there and they go I don't know I just know that's where I belong that was the answer that he got most of the time I don't really know. I can't explain it. I just know that's where I belong. Let me tell you something. When God says something, he means it. And he said that he would place his people in Zion. And that is exact. Not only did he put his people in Zion, he put Zion in his people. And they have a yearning, they have a longing to be in Israel. And so when the when this carrying away from their homeland and taking them to Babylon. This was a devastating time for the Jews. It, it, was, a, it, was, a, it was a time of, uh, of, uh, of horrific feelings of being displaced and, and not knowing which way to turn. And now he's saying, Isaiah is saying to them, when this is over, when the punishment and the chastisement has finished, When you have come to the point where you've learned your lesson, I guess we could put it. (laughs) When you've come to this point, then I have comfort for you. And who is this comfort? What is this comfort? Well, this comfort is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Uh, he, He himself is the great comfort. The great comfort is prophesied and it is none other than the servant 
uh, that has come to bring their comfort into the land. Verse number one of chapter 42, again, behold my servant who I uphold, uh, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. I am giving you my servant, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is bringing comfort to you. Now look at verse number six and notice what he says. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles. The servant is called in righteousness. Jesus Christ is the sinless one. But notice, he is talking about God in person coming to the children of Israel. And we're going we're gonna to notice this in, a, in a, just in a minute. We're going to notice it in another way in this same passage of Scripture. But he says, my servant is coming. Now, let, let's look again to verse number one because I want you to get the full, uh, full understanding here. He says, behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth, I have put my spirit upon him, he shall bring forth judgment. This is the servant of the Lord. This is Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, the Savior, and I am sending him physically to you. He is coming to the world. Now, to be honest, that's one of the problems that the Jews had was they just could not believe that God would condescend to be among them in the flesh. They had a real problem trying to understand how God could walk among them in the person of Jesus Christ. They could understand the voice of God, you know, from heaven. They could understand the thunderings and the lightnings on Mount Sinai. They, they could understand the chastisement that God sent to their people. They could understand the sacrifice being consumed by fire. They could understand uh, the priest and the high priest making the offering, but they could not understand that God himself could come in the flesh to the world and present himself to us. But he did. He did. He did. Now, we've got just a couple of things, and I probably already preached pretty much long enough, but I got a couple of more things I want you to glean out of this before, before we move on. So we see how devastated they are and how that now he is promising this great comfort in the person of Jesus Christ. Now I want to show you how real he wants this to be. This has an application to all of the Jewish people at the time of the coming of Jesus Christ, but it also has an application to every one of us here this morning. Notice what he says in this verse. This is really unusual. Look at verse number six. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles. I'm going to hold your hand. It couldn't be more specific than that. Somebody is going to, uh, if somebody's going to comfort you, they might do it over the phone. They might do it in a letter. But if you really want to have comfort from someone, you want to be face to face. You want to you be where you can put your arm around them. 
You want to be where you can hold their hand. He's saying, I am the God who will hold your hand. That's personal. Jesus is not just a, an object lesson for, the, for, uh, for Christianity. Jesus is not some vague understanding of some spiritual power who moves among us at various and sundry times. Jesus is not some concept that we glean from the Bible. Jesus is our personal Savior. He is close enough that he is as the words of our mouth. He is near to us to hold our hand. God is that close to us. Now, I, I said I wanted to uh, hurry along, and I do, but I, I wanted to bring one other thing out real quick, if I can, before we're done. When the comforters come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which I wanna, uh, want you to uh, take note of a passage of Scripture in John chapter number 15. He says, But when the comforter is come, whom I shall send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. So we are going to receive the comforter of Jesus Christ. And then, even when Jesus leaves, he's not going to leave us without comfort. This is a brand new phase. This is a brand new era. This is a brand new day. From the moment that Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary, from that moment on, everything changed. Because now we can truly say, God is with us. Amen? God's with us. He was, he was with us in the flesh for 33 and a half years. Then he, then he rose from the grave and he was with them for another 40 days. And then he ascended back to heaven. But he sent his Holy Spirit not to come upon us on an occasion. A lot of people have the wrong idea about the person of the Holy Spirit. They say, well, I want to get in a service where I can feel the Holy Ghost. Well, I, I know what you mean, and I understand that. But let me tell you something. If you're truly born into the family of God, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He's in there. You don't have to get in a special meeting to feel the Holy Spirit. You don't have to have some kind of special religious experience so that you might know that God is real. God lives with you. Every breath you take, every step you make, God is with you day in and day out. He is the God who holds your hand. Amen. I shouldn't say this, but I just can't help it. I remember when Helen and I first started dating. And we, uh, we, we, uh, you're not going to believe this, but on one of our dates, we went to Walmart. <laughs> and we walked around Walmart for a little while. We did, we, you know, we, I think we probably ate at McDonald's or Burger King, but, uh, but we, we went to, but I do remember this. We walked in, the, we got out of my truck, and we walked in the door at, uh, at uh, Walmart, and as soon as we walked in the door, we got each other's hand and we held hands the whole time we were in Walmart. I still like to hold her hand. Amen? I don't care if John Lennon did write it. I'd, I want to hold her hand. Yeah. I do. I want to hold her hand. Because I feel the connection. I can... I, I can I can feel the blood th flowing through her veins when I'm holding her hand. 
And when we were first dating, we probably had a little bit of sweaty palms. I don't know. We certainly had, uh, the, the blood was certainly pumping hard uh, every time we would see each other and get close. But we, we liked the touch that we felt. And I'm telling you, God is real enough that you can feel his touch. He is the God that holds my hand. He's the God that holds your hand. He's the God that's here to do that. Now, I got, a, I got one other thing. I got a whole bunch of stuff in here, but I'm not going to have time for it all. So I'm going to just give you one other thing. Notice down in verse number 8 uh, and verse 8 and 9 of chapter 42. He says this, I am the Lord. That is my name and my glory will I not give to another. Neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass. And new things do I declare before thy, before they spring forth. I tell you of them. I want to read that last part of verse 9 again. He says, Behold, the former things are come to pass. And new things do I declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. <laughs> God says, Before it happens, I tell you about it. I prophesy perfectly of what's going to come to pass. Isn't that astounding? Isn't that amazing? But I want you to notice the first part of verse 8. He said, I'm the Lord. That's my name. I am the Lord. That's my name. <laughs> now, you might be, not be aware of this, so, or you may, but if you're not, I'll clue you in this morning. There is a name that was used in the, in the Old Testament for God, and uh, to this very day, we don't know how it's pronounced. Because to this very day, the Jews will not pronounce it. Harry, I know you know this. It's a name that is too holy for them. Think about it. It's a name that's, that is so prized above... A, now, we use the word uh, Yehovah or Jehovah or Yahva, or Java, or Jehu, or Java. Those are all English transliterations of this word. But the word is actually four letters, and there's not a vowel in it. It's Y-H-U-H. -H. That's, that's the idea. That's the concept of it. It's a Hebrew. Now, that's a transliteration, so don't get confused with... Hebrew and English, because they're, they're, not, they're not the same. It's a transliteration. So it, but, but in our English version of the letters, it would be Y-H-U-H. And the way they denoted it is they called him the God whose name is four letters. When they wanted to speak of God, they wouldn't use his name. They wouldn't say, hey, Gary, I need to talk to you. Hey, Michael, I, I need to sit down with you for a few minutes. No, they didn't call his name. They said, we serve the God whose name is four letters. That's how holy he was. That's how, that's how majestic he was. Now, in verse number 10, he says, sing unto the Lord a new song. And you know, I just said that he was going to show us new things. He was going to show us a new song. So, God, now listen, and then we'll be done. Listen carefully. The God 
who is so holy and so righteous and so majestic and so pure and so powerful that once the scribe was ready to write those four letters, he destroyed the quill he had and picked up a new one and wrote just those four letters and then destroyed that quill and got another one to continue writing. He had a quill that only those four letters were written with it and nothing else. That's how holy and majestic and righteous and pure God is. And God said, I'm going to show you something new. I'm going to be the God who holds your hand. I'm going to give you a brand new covenant. It's a brand new song to sing. Because I may be a holy God. I may be majestic beyond your imagination. I may be righteous beyond your ability to comprehend. But I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to sup with you. I'm going to worship with you. And I'm going to sit next to you and hold your hand when you need comfort. How much does God love old sinners? He loved them so much that he sent his righteous, majestic, holy Son of God to live among us in the flesh and to be crucified by the hands of men, oh my, that he might give us a brand new covenant. He might walk with us and that he could be our God and we can be his people. Dear Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to bring the message this morning. Somebody here today needs Jesus. There's somebody in this congregation. Lord, they need to get saved this morning. They, they know they have not thought highly of God the way they should. They know they have rejected the sweet spirit of Christ who has often tried to convict and convince them of their need. Lord, they, they feel within themselves a yearning and a longing to have something to fulfill a life that just gets continually more empty all the time. Lord, I pray that today they would wait no longer. But when we stand to sing this invitation, they'd walk down this aisle, they'd kneel before God Almighty and say, Lord, I want you to be my God. I want to ask your forgiveness. I want to come into your family. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Christ who died on Calvary. Lord, I pray they would not wait nor put it off, but they would come this very moment. And Lord, perhaps there's someone here today who's a Christian, but Lord, they have walked at such a guilty distance from Thee. They've let the things of this world get in the way. And Lord, they didn't mean to, but they have forgotten how majestic You are. Lord, they've let it just slip past them how marvelous it is to have a Savior. How glorious it is to know the Lord. To have His presence in their life. Lord, if there's Christians like that today, maybe strayed far away, or maybe just taken the first step 
Lord, wandering from the God that loves them. Lord, may they come this morning and say, Lord, I want to draw near to Thee. Nearer, oh, nearer, dear God, I want to draw to You. I want to live for You. I want to be a light. I want to be a witness. I want to make a difference. I want to know the Savior. I want to be what Michael was talking about. I want to know Jesus. I want to know who He is. Lord, speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's stand together. What shall we say? Page 100. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. That He would give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns His face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulders, ashamed